The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly, and I'm here alone today. A little scary here on uh, Happy Halloween. I mean, really? Happy? I mean, no one is smiling underneath the mask, right? Everybody gets that. Um, but usually my cohort in crime, Carrie Waddell, um, she's taking the Halloween weekend off. So I'll try to uh, muster through today's program. Not that there isn't a lot to talk about um, this creepy Halloween in the year of the Rona 2020. Um, and, you know, I'm still listening, going back and re-listening to that last presidential debate. Vice President Biden, your reaction and just 40 percent of Americans say they would definitely agree to take a coronavirus vaccine if it was approved by the government. What steps would you take to give Americans confidence in a vaccine if it were approved? Make sure it's totally transparent. Have the scientists of the world see it, know it, look at it, go through all the processes. And by the way, This is the same fellow who told you this is going to end by Easter last time. This is the same fellow who told you that, don't worry, we're going to end this by the summer. We're about to go into a dark winter. There it is. And he has no clear plan and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. President Trump, your reaction, he says you have no plan. I don't think we're going to have a dark winter at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease, which we didn't at the beginning. When I closed and banned China from coming in heavily infected and then ultimately Europe. So but China was I'm going to talk a little bit about the dark winter. And again, this is our annual, I guess, Halloween show. So if you've not listened before on the Halloween weekend, um, I usually do, you know, what scares you, what scares me. And usually Carrie's uh, here along to play with that game today, but she's not. So I'll have to, you know, give the throw out to the audience. You know, what are you scared on this Halloween in 2020, the year of the Rona, um, versus uh, maybe I'll kind of go over a couple things that I'm scared about. Again, so this is Financial Food for Thought. It's brought to you by the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And over those decades, we certainly have gone through um, recessions. We've gone through uh, flu seasons. Uh, We've gone through uh, presidential elections and all the campaign promises. And, you know, we'll survive this one as well. This is our last show before the election. So I will want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, also talk a little bit about, um, you know, again, GDP numbers came out. They were pretty good, but not so much surprising. But, uh, you know, what's happening with the economy? I think the virus is actually a bigger threat to the V-shaped recovery than the election results. Uh, now, I, I, again, I don't know when we're going to get the re- election results. I think, you know, everyone's going to do their best to come up on election night with, you know, a winner. Um, But I'm not so sure it's going to, you know, get accomplished unless, of course, it's a runaway victory by either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Um, But so what scares you? What scares me? Well, you know, 
Biden threw out the dark winter. Okay. And I think, you know, the, um, you know, that concept of the fact that we're going into a second wave or, or that we have to shut the economy down again if the virus is, uh, is uncontrollable. Um, and, you know, Joe Biden wasn't the first one to, to use that term, right? The dark winter. Um, it's, it's been used before and it, but, and, and the concept, you know, has been going for a while, you know, um, you know, of course, Dr. Anthony Fossey, right. Um, you know, has warned that the infection rates are far too high heading into the end of the year. Um, you know, other experts say this is setting up the country for a very difficult winter. Okay. Um, you know, you know, Fossey's comment was you can't enter into the cool months of the fall and the cold months of the winter with a high community infection baseline. Right. Um, you know, he says, I think we'll be fine, but it's not going to be, I think, well into and towards the end of next year, meaning obviously the end of 2021. So that is, you know, not good news. Right. Um, and, you know, why is the fall winter outlook so bad? You know, um, you know, well, they say because, you know, we gather indoors, there's less opportunity for uh, viral particles to disperse, you know, increasing the risk of the spread. Um, you know, and here's a quote. There's a good enough data to say that aerosol transmission of coronavirus does occur. OK, um, aerosol means the droplets don't drop immediately. They hang around for a period of time. Um, this becomes very relevant when you're indoors and there's poor ventilation. Okay, um, and we're also learning that the the virus is changing, right? Um, so you know, so you know, you've heard of the talk of the long haulers, right? The the idea that when people who've you know been confirmed have had the the virus, they think they were better, but yet weeks, months later. They're still not feeling 100 percent. Right. So there's something else going on. So now they're, they're calling it that, you know, that the uh, that the patients are producing molecules called autoantibodies, right? Autoantibodies um, that they say targets genetic material from human cells instead of the virus. Um, so. They're saying this is maybe reason why we have these long haulers, these lingering problems months after, you know, the initial illness has been, you know, uh, resolved. Um, and, you know, they're saying it's kind of like the idea of lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, where they're saying there really is no cure. I mean, you try to, you know, t take control of it or you try to control it, but there's not necessarily a cure. And, and it's the same way how the how the, you know, the, 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 the one of the, you know, offshoots of the virus, it, it, you know, starts attack, you know, it starts going opposite of what your antibodies are supposed to be doing. So, you know, that's not good news. Um, so who else used the term, you know, darkest winter? Well, you remember uh, Dr. Rick Bright, right? Remember, he was, remember, he was the whistleblower, right? Remember, he was going to, this was back in, was it back in May, I guess, of this year, you know, when he was going to go uh, to Congress and kind of whistleblow and say, hey, look at, you know, the government, you know, has not been telling the truth about the Rona, right? Um, and, you know, he and he, you know, he used that term. He said, you know, that the U.S. could face its darkest winter in modern history unless action is taken to prepare for a second wave of the virus. All right. Um, so, you know, and of course, you know, President Trump dispensed of him quickly when he came out with that. Um, so, you know, it, it's that concept that we're not out of the woods yet on this, you know, Halloween. And so the Rona has pretty much ruined Halloween for, for a lot of people, right? Especially when they say, you know, cancel your Halloween parties and, you know, trick-or-treating, who knows um, what the uh, across the nations, uh, how that's going to work out. Um, you know, it's, you know, the Rona is threatening to uh, cancel Thanksgiving. All right. And, you know, and, you know, is the Rona going to be the Grinch that's going to steal the Christmas this year? Um, so we'll see about that um, now. But other people, more conspiracy theories out there is that the dark winter means something much deeper. OK. And, you know, this is the idea that, um, 
you know, if you have not heard of this, you know, there was something that was done by the government back in 2001. And, you know, this is something that, um, you know, when when uh, when Vice President Biden talked about that, you know, the dark winter, some of the conspiracists out there saying, "Uh oh, this is a red flag. Or a false flag, not a red flag, false flag, really. You know, the idea that in 2001, there was a bioterrorist attack simulation known as Operation Dark Winter. Okay. Um, and that was, you know, so the Operation Dark Winter was a code name for a U.S. bioterrorist attack simulation, as I said, carried out in 2001. The operation, designed by health professionals from the John Hopkins Center for Civilian Biodefense Strategies, now known as the Center for Health Security and the Center for Strategic International Studies, intended to gauge the government's response to a mock smallpox, smallpox outbreak linked to an unknown terrorist entity. Okay. Um, and it was the name they think you know, or the idea was also kind of, you know, everyone owns a Tom Clancy, you know, that great, you know, thriller book writer, novelist. Um, and one of the video games that came out, um, it was called the division. Um, you know, had, you know, the basis line of the story was operation dark winter, you know, a political and military coup of the deep state following the outbreak of a deadly pandemic that ravages the United States. So, again, so there are some people who are, that's what they're afraid about in this year. You know, we're talking about on this Halloween, what scares you, what scares me. Um, now, an- another thing is, um, you know, if we look at um, other political factors, too, um, you know, I'm trying to see, if, you know, there's one individual. Yeah. Okay. So Admiral Brett Giwa. I don't know how exactly pronounce it. G-I-R-O-I-R. I think it's French. It's Giwa. Brett Giwa. Remember? He, you know, you know, does Dracula scare you? Well, what, what scares me was when this admiral, you know, went before, you know, the American, the Congress and, and, and started saying that, you know, if, lo- you know, local governments may be forced to impose draconian measures if Americans don't start taking safety precautions seriously and the coronavirus worsens. Okay. Um, and again, President Trump wasn't too happy when the admiral came out with that statement. Um, you know, what, uh, what uh, Brett also said is, um, y- yes, we're getting more cases identified, but the cases are actually going up. And we know that, too, because hospitalizations are going up. Now the daily peak was in, you know, was in the 70,000s in the height of it in July. You know, at the, at the point when you were saying this, it was about 43,000 now, um, you know, but those are going up. Those are real. And, you know, there's this controversy of whether deaths are going up or not. And he seems to be in the camp that thought that deaths were going up. Now, this was a little bit before, I think, the most recent. I think most people today think that deaths are actually going down because the doctors are getting so good with the cures and, 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 and you know, that, and the, the, the things that can get us feeling better. Um, so, you know, what else um, scares you? Well, again, you're listening to Mark Donnelly. This is Financial Food for Thought, and we'll get back to our regular programming probably next week. Um, but in, in the interim, if you want to get a hold of us, we do offer a free consultation. So if you're getting geared up for year end, that's what we're doing with a lot of our clients right now. Um, we're looking at year-end tax planning. You know, you know, it's been an unusual year. To, that's the understatement of the, the century, perhaps. Um, you know, you know, are you looking? To, you know, without the year of required minimum distributions. You know, do you have? I uh, do have an opportunity to maybe do a Roth conversion. You can always go back and listen to our podcast of these shows. You can go to our website, which is just simply financialfoodforthought.com. Just one string, you know, financialfoodforthought.com. And then on there, you can uh, click on um, the, the, the podcasts that are stored there. You can also go to the uh, radio station's website and get us connected through there. Um, if you would like a free consultation, if you're thinking, hey, maybe I should be looking at doing some tax strategies before the end of the year, uh, you can always call our office. The number is 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- 239 
And, you know, we're doing right now, we can do consultations in person. Um, we're also doing them by the phone, you know, in the year of the virus. Um, it's what, whatever you're comfortable with, uh, we can do it. And, you know, the idea is even if you're, you know, playing it safe, if you're worried about the dark winter and you're saying, hey, I've got to buckle down here and, and wear my mask and not, you know, go out unless it's absolutely necessary, that doesn't mean you can't continue to work on your financial plan. There's certainly a lot in today's world that we can get done by telephone and emails and, and all and regular snail mail. So, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, most of our clients, um, you know, who, who are in the maintenance program, um, you know, most of them this year, we've just been getting things done, keeping things moving, you know, without, you know, the, the normal face-to-face visits. Um, so what else, um, scares you, you know, the, uh, devil's night. Hmm. So, you know, of course, devil's night is Halloween Eve, right? Um, and I don't know if we're too much, you know, scared of devil's night anymore. If you, if you're not familiar with that term, that was, you know, a point where in the past, um, on Halloween Eve, there was a lot of mischief being done, by local hoodlums. And, and, and back in the 40s, it wasn't necessarily mischief. It was just, I mean, mischief, but mostly by teenagers. Those are things I remember doing as a kid. <clears throat> um, you know, egging, uh, you know, houses, uh, soaping windows, you know, toilet papering the trees, you know, things like that. Pretty harmless stuff. Again, not, you know, nothing you know, to be proud about, but... Um, Pretty, pretty harmless stuff. Um, but then it took kind of a kind of a change in the in, in the um, later on in, in the 60s when all of a sudden um, there was it came to be like an arsonist night. And, you know, in there in like Detroit, it was bad. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and some of the other, you know, certainly other towns as well. And it was just where, you, you know, you had civil, you know, unrest and, and, and fires were being set and it got to be a big issue and it got to be a big problem. Um, and so a lot, and then it was up to really the people. I actually, the fire departments, you, you know, look to the people to kind of help, you know, to, to, to um, be out on the streets on Halloween Eve and, and make sure that, you know, to just to, uh, you know, be eyes and ears open to see if they could stop any of these so-called arsonists who are picking up this practice. Um, so, you know, that was something, um, you know, that we thought we were, you know, had, had gotten control of. You know, you didn't hear much of Devil's Night in the last, you know, five to ten years. But again, in the year of the Rona, and, and look at all the unrest, and haven't we seen fires, um, you know, in the uh, in the in the city streets? And and so, to me, I'm not what scares. Not, I'm not so much scared about uh, Devil's Night anymore. I'm 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 kind of more concerned and scared about Election Night. Okay, Um, you know, there's a lot of people that think if the election results don't go the right way, we could see people in the streets um, looting and and arsoning and everything else. Um, And a lot of people are worried about that. In fact, there's actually studies out there, um, you know, that from these groups that, you know, um, one's called the, uh, you know, Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. And another one's called Militia Watch. And these, you know, are saying that, they're, you know, the militias are out there and, and, and that they're saying they're trying to target, you know, potential cities that are either at a high risk or even a moderate risk of civil unrest if the election results don't go the right way. All right. So um, who's at high risk? Uh, Pennsylvania. They, they So this is on their list of high risk city, uh, you know, states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin and Oregon. OK. Um, as a matter of fact, it's interesting in Michigan um, because there's some controversy. Right. You know, the the um, you, you know, remember, that was one that was Michigan going to allow open carry at the polling booths. Right. And, you know, and then um, the, uh, uh, and then uh I think the, a judge struck down um, the secretary of state wanted to say, you know, to, to ban open carry. But I think some judge struck that down and said he can't do that. So that was it. Now, 
who's on the moderate list of civil unrest on election night if the if the election doesn't go the right way. Um, North Carolina, Texas, Virginia, California, and New Mexico. Um, so you know that. So it, could we see that? Hopefully we don't. Um, you know, again, it's it's you know, <laughs> you make your vote count. But you know, I don't know. Just because if your guy doesn't win, I don't think it, it warrants going out and starting businesses on fire or looting um, private businesses. Um, now, um, now a lot of Americans, there's also USA Today had an article that said, uh, you know, that Americans are worried about Election Day violence and there are, the, the gun sales are up. And you know what else is up? The purchase of toilet paper. Hmm. Another offshoot of the Rona year. Certainly. Um, so what else? Um, monsters. Do monsters scare you? Um, I'll tell you what's scary: the monster tech earnings. Did you see those? I mean, you know, you know, we're saying, you know, we're in this. Uh, I don't know. Are we in a super V-shaped recovery? As Donald Trump likes to say, or 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 do you think we're in this? Um, you know, more of a K-shaped recovery that um, Biden likes to talk about. You know, the idea that. There's a lot, a lot of people doing very, very well in this Rona recession, but there's also a lot, a lot of people doing very, very bad in this Rona recession. That's why the recovery is the K-shape. You know, one is going straight up, the other one's going straight down, right? Um, so we, you know, so part of, you know, we look to see, you know, is his earnings season, and Carrie, again, Carrie's not here to play the earnings game with me, so I'll just have to, you know, kind of skip over, but this was the monster tech you know, earnings, you know, released this week. Right. And boy, you know, um, they pretty much, you know, blew the cover off the, you know, off the ball. Um, now, so how about Apple, Apple, you know, EPS 73 cents beat, you know, uh, the, uh, census of 70 cents, um, revenues of 64.7 billion, uh, beat the estimates of 63.7 billion, but uh, it wasn't good enough. And Apple kind of warned that um, that maybe the new Apple phone sales aren't going to be as robust and maybe they, they, you know, so so what we're learning in this, you know, third quarter earnings season in the year of the Rona is that not only, you know, do you got to beat, you know, EPS earn, you know, earnings and revenues, but you also better give good guidance. Because if you if you give negative or you know guidance, chances are you're going to be penalized. And sure enough, Apple stock dropped four percent. You know after they released um, Alphabet, you know better known as Google, right? They beat earnings. You know um, they beat revenue. You know revenue came in at forty six point one seven billion, beating forty two point nine billion. Um, they said they were everything up. The Google Cloud was uh, up higher than uh, forecast. The YouTube ads up higher than forecast. Um, you know, Alphabet, Google doing, you know, quite well. How about Amazon? Okay. Um, earnings came in at $12.37. The street was looking for $7.41. Okay. Um, revenue came in at $96.15 billion. Okay. Uh, the street was looking for $92.7 billion. Okay. Um, so, you know, yeah, so Amazon is doing um, quite well. Um you know, they had the good, you know, Prime Day sales, the delayed, the, the you know, Prime Day sales because of the Rona. Um, they're looking for a robust, you know, holiday season. Um, and they're looking to hire Facebook. Uh, Facebook earnings came in at 271, beating forecast of $1.91. Revenue beating uh, $21.47 billion, beating um, the estimate of $19.8 billion. Um, you know, um, how about Twitter? Okay. Um, well, Twitter earnings came in at 19 cents. Um, again, beating, you know, six cents expected, uh, revenue 936 million beating 777 million expected. Um, but again, they, they, uh, they kind of said that, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're new, um, 
you know, business was kind of off or, or, and they're, you know, they're, you know, challenge. It's going to be very challenging going, going forward. And uh, their stock was punished, you know, you know, with the soft, you know, forecast for the future. So, you know, so again, that's some of the things that's, um, you know, happening on earnings. But overall, you know, Monster Tech did pretty well. Um, all right. How about zombies? Do zombies scare you? Um, you know, I always, uh, you know, I, I'm not worried about, you know, the walking dead because um, I've got my zombie survival guide, right? You know, a, 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 a you know, a past uh, Christmas gift from number one son. And if you're not familiar with that, that was the uh, zombie survival guide that was written by Max Brooks and complete protection from the living dead. Um, but what, but what I'm scared about are zombie malls. Okay. So we've talked about zombie malls in the past. You know what they are. It's, it's, you know, the retail apocalypse, right? You know, it's the idea that we, this country built way too many malls, the, all the anchor stores, huge, you know, rent, huge square footage, you know, and no, no shopping. How could they all stay in business? So what happens is the anchor stores have to close you know, when Amazon started, you know, turning the, the industry over to a to a mail order. Um, and then when the anchor stores go vacant, so goes the rest of the mall. So you wind up with all these, you know, vacant malls just sitting. What are you going to do with them? Right. Um, and, and there's even been movies, you know, made, you know, you know, teenage horror flicks, you know, the Hollywood said, you know, what's happening in these all these vacant malls, you know. Um, so we've we've all heard about zombie malls, but how about zombie companies? OK, so we just talked about, you know, are we in a K-shaped recovery where many, many companies are going to do very well? But what about a lot of companies we know aren't going to do very well? They're not going to rebound from this uh, shutdown. They're not going to reopen. OK, or they're, you know, a lot of them, you know, just got reopened and now they may have to shut down again. All right. Um, so, you know, what is a zombie company? Well, um, it's basically, um, you know, in, in, when you're talking about the economy, you know, a company that needs bailouts in order to operate or uh, indebted or an indebted company that is able to maybe repay the interest on their debt, but had, doesn't have any chance of repaying the principal. Okay, so they're just, you know, waiting to die, you know, or they're half dead, you know, um, that idea that, you know, they're they're either going to have to be bailed out, you know, by the government, which means, of course, taxpayers um, or, you know, the banks are going to have to, you know, forgive their loans. And, and, you know, you know, and how is that going to work? So, you know, not only do we have zombie malls, but we have a lot of zombie companies out there. How about zombie foreclosures? Okay, so this is another term. This is dealing with the real estate, right? The homeowner, right? Um, so this is the idea, and we we and this we saw a lot of this starting in the two thousand eight Great Recession, right? You know, with the real estate, you, you know, bubble burst, right? And and we had all these, you know, people were you know over leveraged in, in in the debt versus their houses. The value of the houses go down. They lost their jobs in the Great Recession. They couldn't make the, those those, and they were underwater. In other words, the the fair market value of the houses weren't were a lot less than what the, the debt was owed on them. What do you do with those, right? Remember all those short sales and all those things that were going on, right? Um, and so a zombie foreclosure, you know, but they're coming back now. All right, they've resurfaced here in the Rona recession, right? Um, and this is where you know the homeowner moves out, you know, expecting to lose his home in a foreclosure, but for some reason the foreclosure is canceled. You know, the sale is never, you know, never held. You know, the sheriff sale or whatever, or the ownership is never really officially transferred to a new, you know, person or entity. Um, so, so as a result of that, the property title still remains, you know, in the original homeowner who, who was basically long gone. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and so now you got a problem, right? Um, because who's going to pay the real estate taxes? You know, who's going to keep the property, you know, these vacant properties, you know, what, you know, who's going to, you know, they're broken into, they're used, you know, by, um, you know, the, the drug, you know, the, the, the homeless and the drug people, you know, go into these vacant places and it just brings the whole neighborhood down in, in, in property values. Right. And nobody wants these places. And, and the banks don't know how to, you know, who's going to repay them for the loan. 
loans, right? And and who and how are the the real estate taxes going to be there? So so a big problem. And um, so they're saying that you know in the in this recession this year. Um, in all but one state, um, Hawaii, but all the other states, they've seen the zombie foreclosures increase. Okay, now the, the largest increases are in Kansas, Missouri, Georgia, and Kentucky. Um, but Ohio certainly isn't uh, immune to this. As a matter of fact, Ohio was one of the national leaders back in, you know, the 2014, you know, as a result of the, the Great Recession. So, so those are some of the, you know, things that I'm, you know, so, you know, I'm not really afraid about zombies, walking dead people, but, you know, these zombie malls, these zombie companies and these zombie foreclosures, how is that going to do in the economy? In other words, we're trying to rebound here. And if you're trying to say, okay, I I think we're okay. I think, you know, this recession is over. Um, I'm not so sure it is. And I'm not so sure that you don't, you shouldn't be still working on your plan R. So what do we mean by plan R? Plan R is just the idea that um, you may be running your base case financial plan, meaning what you think is going to happen based on conservative and realistic assumptions. A plan R, it could be stand for the RONA or the recession or the recovery plan, is the idea to say, well, what happens if things go a little bit worse than what I'm really thinking? Um, what if the recession lasts a little bit longer? What if we have a double-shaped uh, recession? Or, you know, what happens if we do have the virus, you know, dark winter where we have to shut down financially? You know, what happens if my business has to shut down? You know, what happens if, um, you, you know, I think my job is safe right now, but, you know, we've, we've said on this show, you know, how, you know, if your customer, if your company's customer's jobs aren't safe, how safe is your job? Right. It's that domino effect. Right. It's the spiraling down, you know, and and, you know, as we mentioned on the show weeks ago, there are there ain't no stimulus package coming before this uh, election. Now, could we have a lame duck um, stimulus? Quite possibly. Um, If we see a blue wave in the election, meaning, you know, Biden wins the White House and uh, the Democrats maintain the House and um, also pick up a net three seats in the Senate and then throw out the filibuster. Um, that's what I, my definition of a blue wave is. We could be seeing a big, big stimulus package coming, uh, perhaps in February, you know, after the, the blue wave takes control. But, you know, again, that, you know, that would certainly help, um, you know, f- you know, help everybody in terms of if you're saying, okay, uh, how safe is my job or how safe is uh, my company? Um So, you know, we can, you know, look at the, um, it's interesting about the election. Um, you know, we, we have this, um, you know, the poll, you know, the, all the polls <laughs> seem to say that, you know, Biden is going to win. Um, and that the Wall Street has kind of um, baked that in, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and this is idea that, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, it's, it's interesting. It doesn't matter who you're planning on voting for, for president. If you, you think if your guy loses, the stock market's going to crash. Whereas opposed, if your guy wins, the stocks are going to take off. So is every, so is half the country wrong or half the country, is everybody wrong? Everybody right? I don't know. I mean, you know, that's the, that's a crazy thing. Um, because everybody thinks the same thing. If their guy wins, the stocks are going to be great. If their guy loses, the stocks are going to be terrible. Um, and and to me, it's not the 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 White House that that is is the big key here. Um, now, again, I think it's more the idea that these other global effects, you know, like like the virus and 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 the global economy. You know, you saw this week Germany had to go back into a, a lockdown. France is going back to lockdown. You know, um, you know, Europe is is in deflationary right now. You know, that's not a good place to be. Um, you know, so well, you know, so the idea is this plan R is just a way to say, okay, 
I'm going to, you know, build an alternative plan where I'm going to, you know, make a, a, a worst case scenario assumption, of whether it be on the rate of return on your investments or, um, you know, an extended or a, a, a layoff or, or the fact that, you know, you know, if you were banking on a second stimulus check, you know, I don't know if you're going to have that by, you know, your your Black Friday shopping. Um, you know, maybe you'll have it um, by the end of the year. Um, maybe you'll have it next year. Um, but in either case, this plan R is something we, you know, when we do at the estate planning team, you know, we build these alternative scenarios, right, that um, tries to get, you know, to, uh, to, to say, okay, if we do have a negative economic, you, you know, uh, period, do I have to change my plan? In other words, how does it affect the longevity of my plan? Um, in other words, it's not going to be something overnight. In other words, what we look for is say, okay, it, it somehow affects how long your money would last, right? So let's say your plan A was working and you saying, Mark, you know, I don't want to run out of money um, before age 90 or, you know, 95 or do I hear 100? See, it's up to you. How long is you, you know, do you want your plan running? You know, what's your peace of mind, right? But in either case, so what we're looking for in a plan R or where we're, we're modeling a, a worse economic um, picture, um, it, the idea is saying, okay, how does that affect that longevity? Because let's say your plan A was working to age 95. Now, by the way, if your plan A wasn't working to age 95, if that was your objective, your goal, or your peace of mind, then you're not done with plan A yet. I mean, but let's say it was, you know, so you've, you, you've got your plan. So it's, you know, based on the best assumptions that now plan R, we're going to make it worse. Now, is it, how is it running a lot shorter? Is it going to 94? Maybe I'll still be okay. Uh Oh, it's only going to 88. Uh Oh, I may have to adjust something or, you know what, you know, I, I really wasn't out of money at 95. And even under this scenario, I'm not really, you know, out of money at, at, at 95. So in other words, some people are saying, hey, it's not that I'm trying to spend the last dollar the last day. At, you know, I'm just saying I don't necessarily have to financially think I'm going to live much past 95. But if there's some left, great, that goes to my kids. So, so the idea of there's some cushion there. So, so the idea is running a worse economic plan, you know, how, you know, how detrimental to it is that, you know, for your longevity. Um, and that's why I do it. So, again, you're listening to Mark Donnelly, and this is Financial Food for Thought. Um, I am the president of the estate planning team. And, uh, again, if you want to reach us for a free consultation, um, normally, you know, Carrie Waddell is with me uh, to take uh, to give you some of the, the you know, the uh, ways you can get a hold of us. But I just simply say you can call our office. The number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. We are fiduciary financial planner. Um, We are not investment advisors. We don't manage client assets. We think there's a lot of good investment advisors out there. You may be working with one. You may be doing it yourself. Um, What we try to do is, you know, build financial models. You know, and, 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 and usually, you know, we've been doing it for over 35 years. So there isn't there aren't too many circumstances that a new client coming in or is contacting us for the first time if they've got a specific concern or, or or what have you that we haven't seen it before. So a lot of it is you know getting you over the learning curve and saying you know you just don't you know want to ask your neighbor you know what assumptions they're making for their financial plan because I don't know what your neighbor has I don't know you know what your neighbor spends. So it's the idea is you kind of have to you know sharpen your own elbows. And, you know, and kind of say, all right, I've got to kind of do this on my own, whether that's making pension elections. If you're, you know, if you you have those coming, you know, if you're going to retirement, Um, a lot of people because of the virus recession, you know, this and that they're thinking that maybe they're going to be offered a buyout and they're going to have to be in a position to, you know, to analyze that and say, you know, should I take the buyout? Can I afford to take the buyout? Um, you know, other people who have been laid off or maybe your job isn't coming back. 
um, and you're and you're and you're saying, okay, you know, now how bad is this? And you know, you know, it's that it's usually for that person who may have thought they were or they were going to retire in a couple of years, anyways. Now they've lost their job, so now a lot of times they're saying, well. Am I going to be okay, or do I have to go out and get a full-time job, or do I just have to somewhere in between? Do I have to just maybe go get a part-time job? And then, so it's the idea of, of modeling that and saying, okay, what's realistic, right? Um, all right. Um, so, again, you can call us at the office, 440-239-2090. You can also go to our website. And that's simply financialfoodforthought.com. And there's lots of um, calculators on there. There's, we have got news stories on there. And, of course, you can sign up for a free consultation on that. And someone will get back to you on Monday. Um, so, you know, with this election, a, a lot of people are, you know, I was saying before that they think if, you know, their guy wins – things are going to be fine. If their guy loses, it's going to go downward quickly. And a lot of that really is, is what they think is going to happen to taxes. Okay. Um, because we've got two <laughs> uh, opposite ends, I guess, of, you know, Joe Biden's vision of income taxes going forward versus Donald Trump's vision of income taxes going forward. Um, and I, I want to spend a little bit of time on that um, just to kind of recap. And, and, and again, see, to me, it's not, you know, it's I don't listen to presidential candidates' campaign premises, especially in, in the run-up right to the uh, right before the election. Because they're both saying things that are so absurd that they're not realistic. Um, you know, when 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 Donald Trump is saying that, you know, you know, he thinks he's going to win back the House, that, you know, that the Republicans are going to win the House. I really don't think the, the, the Republicans are going to win back the House. Um, you know, when he says that he's going to when he gets reelected, he's going to pass the biggest stimulus package ever. I, I really it's not up to him. I mean, if, if he could pass the the biggest stimulus package ever, he would have done it by now. Um, you need Congress votes. right? It's not up to the president. Um, a president can't change tax law by himself. Now, can he do executive orders? That, 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 but that's temporary stuff. I'm talking about permanent, you know, big tax law changes. No, you're going to need votes and you need a lot of votes. Um, or when he says, you know, he's going to have the most beautiful health care plan. I really don't know what that means. The most beautiful health care plan, you know, I, I, you know, and but I mean, Joe Biden is the same thing. You know, now Joe Biden is, is, is now guaranteeing that no one making under four hundred thousands, you know, dollars taxes are going to go up by one penny. I mean, he's getting stronger and stronger on this claim. Uh, you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, you can keep your doctor, you know, it, it now. Absolutely, no one making under four hundred thousand taxes are going to go up by even one penny. Um, you know, or the idea that um, you know that when he's because you know four months ago, five months ago, he was claiming that you know the first thing he was going to do was repeal Trump's uh, you know lower tax rates, which would affect everybody. So now he's completely done a 180 on that and saying, oh, no, no, I, what I meant to say is that I'm only going to, you know, take away, you know, Trump's, you know, highest tax rate. You know, he wants to move the 37 percent back up to the 39.6 percent. So what I'm saying is I don't listen to either candidates, you know, late, you know, you know, midnight hour campaign promises to get elected. Um, now, as I said, if if you could go down the different scenarios, you know, if Trump wins, OK, it's really irrelevant who wins the House and who controls the Senate because Trump has the you know presidential veto vote. Unless you think that the Democrats would have enough votes to overturn a presidential veto. But that's tough to do. OK, um, now let's go. Let's give Biden the win. The White House. So if Biden wins the White House, okay, and let's say uh, the Democrats keep control of the House, but let's say the Republicans maintain control in the Senate. 
Well, that's going to be gridlocked, too, because, you know, without the Senate, you're not going to get major, you know, tax law changes done. All right. Um, so now the the, uh, the third case, of course, is the blue wave. You know, that's where Joe Biden wins the White House. Um, and then the Demo- and Democrats maintain control of the House and they pick up a net three seats in the Senate. And then, you know, then they throw out the filibuster. So they wouldn't need the 60 votes in the Senate to get things done. OK, and I think um, Schumer would do that. And, and I think in a heartbeat, he would do that at this point. Uh, you know, and, he, and quite frankly, his comments after, you know, the Supreme Court, when, when Barrett got in, you know, was that, hey, you know, Republicans, he kind of, you know, threatened the Republicans. Hey, Republicans, don't you make any comments about what we do when we get when we get power in the Senate? Um, so throwing out the filibuster, I think, is a not a, 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 you know too far out there for Chuck Schumer um, in, in his and you know if if he can get the three net seats and Biden wins the White House. So if, if that's event, yeah, that could be you know then things could get changed quickly. Um, so what is in what is in some of those? Um, all right, so let's talk about um, Trump first. Um, So what's in President Trump's? Um, okay, so he's talking about the payroll tax cut, right? Um, you know, and he tried to do this by executive order, right? Remember, you know, the, just for these last few months, the 6.2% tax is suspended from September 1st to the end of the year for employees making less than $4,000 for any biweekly pay period. Um, that's about 104000 a year. Okay, this was something he's recently done here, right? But a lot of companies didn't implement that because that was not a true payroll tax cut. That was a payroll tax deferral. See, again, you need Congress to make tax cuts. Executive orders maybe be able to defer it, okay? But what Trump is promising is that if he gets reelected, he'll get that completely forgiven. Well, President Trump won't unless the Republicans regain the House and maintain, uh, you know, 60 votes in, in the Senate, because I'm not sure if Mitch McConnell is going to throw out the filibuster. All right. Um, he hasn't yet. And he's never he's always said he never would. All right. Um, Trump has also, you know, talked about giving middle tax cuts even more than what was done in 2017. Now, he does. He talks a lot about making those tax cuts permanent. See, remember, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, which lowered the individual rates, lowered the federal state tax exemption, you know, you know, those aren't permanent, right? They expire in the end of 2025 unless Congress makes them permanent or, you know, extends them. Um, but, you know, so so he's also saying so he, you know, Trump w- would love to make those permanent. And, he, you know, he's thinking he could even add more middle class tax cuts. All right. Um, Trump is for stimulus checks, more stimulus checks, you know, the more the better. Um, And uh, Biden is as well. Um, You know, capital gains. Okay, so President Trump just talked about cutting taxes on capital gains um, to spur, you know, investment and economic growth. Um, He's talking about, you know, um, you know, you know, right now we have three basic, you know, capital gain rates, you know, 0%. That's my favorite. 15%. Or if you're in the high income, 20%. Right. And then if you're in this Obamacare surtax, you know, you could have an additional 3.8%. Um, so, you know, so he wants to, you know, kind of lower though, at least lower the 20%. So that, you know, that, w- and then also he's talking about indexing capital gains for inflation, which isn't in the code right now. Um, so, you know, that's something he wants to do. Um, one, I think one, of, one of Trump's ideas that I would love to see implemented was the travel tax credit. OK, so to get people, you know, spending in America again, he wanted to, you know, give a tax break if you went on a trip in America. Right. Um, it was called the American Tax Rebate and Incentive Program, the TRIP Act. Get it? TRIP. Um, Often called the Explore America tax credit, the credit would be worth up to four thousand dollars, eight thousand for married couples filing jointly, plus an additional five hundred per child, sixteen and under. Uh, the credit would cover travel-related expense for transportation, lodging, food, beverages, live entertainment, including sporting events. So I thought that was a pretty good idea. Okay. Um, so you know, then you have Joe Biden, right? And so, what does Joe Biden want to do? Well, I've already said, you know, he wants to raise 
the top individual income tax rate from 37% back up to 396 um, you know, he, you know, he wants to, um, he wants to, as far as the, he doesn't want to cut the payroll tax, he wants to increase it, um, to make wages above 400,000 subject to the, the, the payroll tax cut. So remember right now, only a certain amount of your wages are subject to the social security tax, right? So for 2021, that figure is 142,800. Right. Um, That was recently announced. Right. But, you know, Biden wants to say, yeah, but what about these wealthy, wealthy people? So it's a gap. It's a donut hole. So you're taxed on the first hundred forty two eight hundred or whatever the inflated factor is in the future. But then if you're over anything over four hundred thousand, there's no more cap. You know, and and so that that would be much different. Um, And for capital gains, he wants to put the millionaire capital gain tax in. You know, in other words, he wants to do away with uh, favorable tax rates if you have over a million dollars of income. Okay, Um, you know, so, you know, anyone making more than a million per year would have to pay tax on long term capital gains, you know, at the top income tax rate. Um, You know, Biden wants to get rid of the step up in basis. You know, that's the idea that if you die leaving capital appreciating assets to your heirs and not not your spouse, but your heirs, um, they would get a step up. In other words, if, you know, the house that you're leaving them the homestead, you bought it for 150000 on a day of your death, it's worth 200000 You never paid capital gains tax on it. You never sold it in your lifetime. It goes to the kids. They don't want the house. They just want their inheritance. So they sell the house at the fair market value of 200000 $50,000 of capital gain is forgiven at that. That's true for any capital appreciating asset you have. I mean, you know, Joe Biden's talked about getting rid of that, you know, um, and, and we've talked a lot about that. On, uh, you know, that, that's one of, it's kind of like a backdoor state tax so to speak. Um, and, you know, Joe Biden does want to lower the federal state tax exemption, you know, you know, from the, you know, current, you know, 11.58 million. Um, you know, he wants to, you know, he's not really been specific about what he want to lower to, but we're thinking, you know, it's going to go back to the, um, you know, five or six million, something like that. Um, so, you know, um, now what are, so what's Joe going to do with all that money? Right. Um, well, um, one of the things is um, he's going to spread it around, right? Um, he wants to expand the child and dependent care credit to $8,000, making it refundable and payable in advance. He wants to forgive student loan debt. Um, you know, he wants to expand the work opportunity tax credit to include military spouses. Um, he wants to enhancing tax breaks and access to 401k plans for workers who are saving for retirement. Um, he wants to create tax credits for small businesses and offer retirement plans for their workers. And as I said, he also is in favor of more stimulus. So, you know, so there's some of the, uh, the, you know, Biden Trump tax plans. And like I said, I don't pay too much attention to them right now. Um, you know, I will wait to see the election results. And if we see that it's not going to be a split Congress, um, where one party has all the power to make changes, then I don't know how, if any of these are going to be implemented. Now, I do think there will be more stimulus, but so we'll see. Make your vote count. I'm going to end by saying, you know, my final statement um, on the election. I'll, 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 I'll give a Winston Churchill quote, you know, who said, the inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries. Think about that. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.